0: How many of you are cold? (laughs) Yeah, it's cold outside. Did you know it's cold in here too? Um, Those of you watching online, you may not realize it's like 60 degrees in here. We thought it'd be brisk. This is going to be a boring sermon. And I said, lower the temperature. (laughs) Keep them awake. We got to keep these people awake. Boy, I tell you what, it's cold outside. I hate the winter. I'm just saying, some of y'all love the snow. This is what comes with snow, okay? I don't like it, but that's fine. We just wrapped up a series, guys, called Vantage Point. Now, all through January, we've been teaching on the sovereignty of God. Basically, we've been talking about that God has complete authority, that God has complete power. Now, God is in control, and he can't be swayed by outside forces. And so, through this series that we did in January, we wanted to lay a foundation for you of that God can be trusted, that you can have God in your life, you can trust him. Now, if you missed that series, I would encourage you, go back and watch that on our YouTube page. You can find a link to that. Listen, if you're watching online right now, I don't mean watch it right now. Keep watching. You can watch it later. But you guys can watch those series because what we've done in this new year as we've stepped into the new year is we wanted to establish two of the most fundamental parts of faith. One, our view on God. And then two, our view of his word. And that's what we're going to do in this series. So today we're starting a series called Why I Don't Read My Bible. And it's a look at some of the reasons and excuses people might use as to why they are not reading the Bible. One of your excuses right now might be, I get sleepy when I read the Bible. That's why we made it cold. Another reason why it's cold in here. That's just a trick for you. If you are having trouble reading something, find someplace cold to read. That'll keep you awake. There's a lot of reasons why people don't read. And so we want to address them. We want to kind of address some of those reasons. And some of these may be things that you've wrestled with personally. They might be things that you've heard from someone at school or work. It might be something that someone, like a family member, has shared with you why they don't read the Bible. Why I don't read the Bible, we want to establish the foundation that the Bible can be trusted. That it, is in the, that it is the inspired word of God, that it is what he, he gave to us. Now listen, today you're going to be tempted to be in two places with this service, okay, with this message. The first one is, you love these kind of conversations, and this whole series, you're going to be leaning in and enjoying yourself. Or the second thing is, you're bored to death with talking about this. I'm just going to, I'm going to lie. Sometimes people go, I don't read the Bible because, honestly, it's kind of boring sometimes. I would challenge you to say, like, that may not be as true as you think if you've read some of the Old Testament stories, because they're weird, okay? But I do want to acknowledge that sometimes we're just not interested in Bible stuff. And I get that. But hear me say this. If that's you, if you're saying, like, oh, man, I don't really know if I'm interested in this, or if you're not even sure that, like, well, I don't have a problem with reading the Bible, I just want to encourage you for the next 20 minutes or so, just listen, Pay attention, because at the end of this, you're gonna hear an important reason why all of this matters, okay? So today, in week one of this series, we're tackling a big reason why some people don't read the Bible. And the excuse they give is this, that the Bible is not reliable. Now, reliability, it's important. It's an important thing. Like In our lives, we need to be able to count on something. And that's a critical thing. I mean, when I've bought cars... One of the big things I look at, one of the ratings I look at with cars is reliability, right? Because that tells me something about the car. It tells me, one, what are the odds that I'm going to have to have a repair done on that car really soon after I buy it? And two, what are the odds that 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 car or truck is going to leave me on the side of the road? And those are two things that I look at. Reliability is important. We do this as well. When you're hiring an employee, if you have employees that you have to hire, their reliability is important to you because it tells you something about their ability to follow through on the things that they say they can do. Or if, you've got, if you're dating someone, you want to look at their past history towards relationships sometimes, and you want to look at that as an example of, can I trust this person? Can I trust that they are who they say they are? I mean, why do we do this? We do this because we've had instances in our lives. We have had things or people that we relied on, that we put our trust in, and then they let us down. And so that burns us. And truth be told, our faith is not immune from this type of mentality. Now, you may have heard this. You may have heard this from a coworker or a friend or a family member you may have heard this kind of phrase where they say, listen, we can't believe everything that's in the Bible because it's changed over time, right? That's a phrase maybe you've heard. And that's a legitimate question or statement. Our popular culture has created this view of the Bible, and there's three things that it kind of says about the Bible. One is that after Jesus died, it just says that some legends were, were told or created about Jesus, The second thing it says is that these were written down, that many of these stories were written down. There's a lot of different stories of Jesus out there. And then the third thing is, is that 300 years after all these stories were written down, that the powers that be, they got together and they took all of these stories and they picked the four gospels. And gospels are just the written stories of Jesus' life, okay? And they took those four Gospels that supported their views and their approach and their, their agenda, and that's the ones they kept, and all the other stories were thrown out. Now, if you've heard those things, let me first say to you, there's a problem. All of them are wrong. They're not true. And maybe you've heard those words come out of your mouth even. Maybe some of you are here, and you've never really even read the Bible, and, and you don't even really know anything about it, and so you just see it as this big book of made-up stories, and so during this series, we want to challenge, we want to we welcome the oh, healthy skepticism. I mean, when it comes to our faith, we want to avoid just hazardous untruths, and so I hope throughout this series, you feel comfortable, and you're compelled to to ask questions, pursue what is true. These are important things. And then I would to hope that you would come to full life. And that's full life filled with meaning and joy that God intends for all of us. And so that's what he's revealed in his word. Because unlike things and people in our lives, we want to come to believe that the Bible is not going to let us down. Now, this this leads to our big idea for the day. And our big idea is this you can trust God's word to guide your life. You can trust God's word to guide your life. So, to understand the Bible, I think we got to start really simple. And so, we need to understand what the Bible truly is. So, let's start there. This is going to sound weird when I say it, but the Bible is not a book. You're like, Chris, it looks like a book. Yeah, it's, it's not just a book. It, the Bible is actually a collection of 66 books and letters. And it's broken into two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament was written first, many years before Jesus' birth. The Old Testament was written, and it was and it continues to be the main religious text for the Israelite or the Jewish people. And so when Jesus came to earth, when Jesus was born, the Old Testament had been in existence for a long time. It was actually available for people to have read to them in the synagogues of the time. I mean, Jesus himself regularly quoted the Old Testament. He knew this text. He was a Jew. Here's a few other facts about the Bible. The Bible was written over a 1,500-year span. 1,500 years is the amount of time that that people wrote this book. There were more than 40 different authors. It was written in different moods and circumstances and styles. I mean, it was written (coughs) written during wartime and peacetime. It was written during joy and sorrow, fear, anger, trust and praise, all these different emotions. It was written on three different continents. I may not have known that. Africa. Asia, and Europe. And it was written in three different languages originally, in Hebrew, in Aramaic, and in Greek. See, what's most fascinating, though, about the Bible, these are interesting facts, but what's most fascinating about this Bible is that it follows through all these things one common thread, and that thread is God's love for humanity that points to and is confirmed in Jesus Christ. Now this is where the Bible is unique beyond comparison with any other ancient literature. I mean, if you look at any of the other ancient faiths like Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam, just to name a few of those, these these stories, the leaders of these faiths, they end up being worshiped. They end up being And when they die in their stories, they they do so in a glorious and heroic manner. Like people are gathered around them and they celebrate them and all their friends are around. They die in these brave and glorious ways, right? They look powerful. And in Christianity, the leader dies screaming, Why have you forsaken me? I'm sorry, how does that exalt your religion? How does that put you in power? Christianity in the Bible was a different text than anything else out there. So that begs the question, how did we get the Bible? How did it get to where it is? We have this perception that the Bible was written by people who were told stories about God and Jesus, and they passed those down. That's the perception we have. I mean, there were, hear me say, back in the times when the Bible was written, there were a lot of oral storytelling traditions. They told a lot of stories that way. I mean, even now, here's the reality, even now in an age where we have technology, and instantaneous ability to document history, right? We have that ability to do that now. We still can't decide whether Tom Brady's retired or not. (laughs) Like, first he is, and then he isn't, and now I think he is. We'll see in a few years, right? So we have this picture in our mind of how the Bible was written, Right? And so we think certainly things were changed over time as these stories were passed down, and so mistakes were made. The meanings were altered. See, what happens with this view is we look at that from a completely human perspective. Human culture changes. Human viewpoints, they change. Agendas are promoted. People make mistakes. Relationship changes Sexuality changes, values shift. Old priorities are replaced with new priorities. And so as long as we view the Bible from a strictly human perspective, it's easier to see that as a collection of old stories that inspire, but they don't necessarily stand up to modern life. But that's not how the Bible claimed to be. That's not what the Bible is. You can trust God's word to guide your life. See, what if we looked at the Bible, not just strictly from a human perspective, what if we actually looked at it from outside of that? What if we looked at this as the canon for the Christian faith? Now, the word canon, and I mean C-A-N-O-N, not C-A-N-N-O-N, it comes from the Latin, and it means measuring rod or standard, and the standard, is by which we measure or evaluate. And so they use this for the name of this collection of books that make up the Bible. Now, measuring sticks, if you've used those before, they are important things when you're building. Why? Because precise measurement is important when you're building a house or you have a project that you're working on. And so if your measuring stick is off just even a little bit, As you go through the process of building that house or that thing, you're going to run into some major problems. Those little differences will add up over time. It won't be properly built. The same is true for the Bible. If if there's mistakes in it, and you build your life on something that has mistakes, over time, you're going to have a problem. (coughs) Yet the early church... They didn't set out to create the canon of the Christian faith, right? But rather it was they discovered what was inspired by God. I mean, there was an oral tradition of passing down stories and things about other people. But here's the reality. These people took written history very seriously, If there was something written down and it was historical, and they they took very meticulous time in copying that, the scribes would copy that line for line, column by column. And here's the truth. In a written history type of thing, when they saw an issue or a mistake, they destroyed it. They said, this has clearly got issues. We're throwing it out. See, these people were meticulous about confirming what they were reading even then. And so this was true of what the Old Testament was written, right? But also on the New Testament books. And here's the truth. The New Testament books were written within 60 years. Keep that in mind, 60 years of the death of Jesus. Now, what's important about that is this. This means that those things were written within the lifetime of people who were there and saw what happened, who experienced it. And so this morning, we're going to spend a few moments just talking about and understanding three things. One is the Bible is truth. The second thing is it is a truth about a man, Jesus. And three, it's not just truth for our mind, but also for our hearts. If you've got your Bibles with you today, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Luke. If you came And you don't have a Bible or you don't have any way to get access to a Bible. We want you to have a Bible. We would love to gift one of those to you. We have them available at our hub. Please pick up a Bible because we would love to share that with you. I cannot stress enough during this series why I don't read my Bible to have a Bible. Okay. But we're going to start in Luke chapter 1. And so here's what Luke wrote at the very beginning of the book of Luke. He said, who wrote this book, this story, this gospel of Jesus' life, he's saying to his buddy, Theophilus, he's saying, listen, you've heard about Jesus. You believe in Jesus. And I want to prove to you why what you believe is true. And so he says, I went to eyewitnesses And then I went, using those eyewitness accounts, I then went to the other accounts of Jesus' life, the other gospels that had been written at that time. And he compared, and he said, after doing that, listen, I put all this together for you, and now I'm giving you an account of Jesus' life. And so here's the truth what you may not know is Luke was not one of Jesus' original disciples, he did not know Jesus personally. He came along years after Jesus' death, but he did learn with and travel with some of Jesus' disciples. So he starts this gospel by explaining that he got testimony of voices. In essence, he got the men and women who were alive during that time telling him compelling eyewitness accounts of what he saw, what they saw. See, Luke wrote his story as a historian. He was writing a history he was writing a, a biography of Jesus not a legend not a fabrication I mean we read biographies all the time of people who weren't alive people though who had lived at some point maybe in our lifetime or before us we read biographies of people who thought eyewitness accounts or collected information about them and we have no problem believing those are true And yet we question this. There's no evidence that these were legends. He actually says, all four of the Gospels, actually, all four of them were written inside of the lifetime of eyewitnesses. In essence, these guys went around and they talked to people who saw it, who were there. And you'll notice that in the Gospels, you'll see a name popped in here or there that never comes up again. It's just someone, a name in the story, and you think, oh, that's just a trivial piece of information. But at the time, it was important. Because those names were markers, in essence, for them to say, listen, if you want to check what I'm saying, go talk to XYZ. Go find that person. Go go find them, and they will tell you. Because they were alive. These guys were sharing the stories of people who were still alive who saw what they saw. It was like a reporter citing their source. Listen, you can trust God's word to guide your life. Now, here's an interesting thing. You may not know this. We have more original manuscripts of the Bible dating closer to the time the original authors actually wrote it than, than any other ancient documents. I mean, we have more evidence of the Bible's reliability than we do of anything Aristotle or Plato wrote. And yet, those are widely accepted as being true or written as real history. Listen, I don't have time today. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have time today to cover all the examples of how we can see that this is true. There's a lot out there. We'd be here all day. I'm sorry. We would. There would be no 1030 service. It would just be you guys. And everybody online would tune out real quick. If you want more knowledge, though, if you're hungry for more knowledge on that, there's a plethora of texts out there that can be found. And I'm just going to give you two examples, okay? The first one is this, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And then there's another book called Cold Case Christianity, okay? I'm putting these two books up here. I'm showing you these books for a reason because these were written by two guys who did not believe in Jesus. They didn't believe that Jesus was real. They thought it was all made up. And so they did research and they went out and they made it a point to try to confirm, really, they were trying to disprove Jesus. So they went out to try to do that. And what they found was this guy's the real deal. And so they wrote books that support what they found. So I'd encourage you to read those or or other texts that are out there. But here's the truth. And this is where we're going to land today. Okay. Even if you can accept that this document is true, even if you believe it. If there's no if you don't understand what it's actually saying, then there really isn't any point. So I want you to turn with me in the same book, Luke, very toward the end in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 because here in this in this story, we've got Two guys, two disciples who are walking on the way to a city called Emmaus. And these guys are struggling because Jesus has been killed and they're feeling bad. And then Jesus, after his resurrection, he shows up on the road with them. Now, the interesting thing is Jesus kind of clouds their vision to where they don't recognize him. So they don't recognize who he is, and he walks along with them. And he, and he says to them, like, why are you so upset? What's the matter? And they said, hey, you know, our Jesus from Nazareth, like, he, he was a prophet, and we thought he was going to redeem Israel, but they put him to death. He's died. And, and, and some women have now said that they saw him alive, that he's resurrected, but we're not real sure, we're confused, and we really don't know what to believe. I think we've all been there sometimes when we struggle a little bit with what, we're, what we believe with our faith, right? You're struggling to understand, why am I in pain? I don't, you don't see a future, right? Like a, a hope. You've got addictions and divorce and, and anger and you're hearing rumors about you and your friends are, are leaving you and your world is falling apart. And you want some answers, but you just don't know what to believe anymore. Well, Jesus, he decides to address these guys. And here's what he says in verse 25 and 26. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So Jesus is like saying, listen, listen. When he says the prophets, right, he's talking about the Old Testament. He's saying, didn't the Old Testament, right? Didn't, Jesus is saying, didn't the Old Testament tell you this? And didn't you read that? Don't you believe that? And he's saying, listen, you can't see the forest for the trees. You believe what you've read, but what good is that if you don't know what it's saying? That's what he says. And so he goes, this, the, the story goes on in verse 27 It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Notice what he does here, what Jesus does. He doesn't go on to explain to these guys that, hey, there's a few things in the Bible or in the Old Testament in these scriptures that you already know that that lean to me. He says, all of it. Right, The scripture actually says he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He's literally saying that everything written in those texts, everything you know and have been raised to learn, it was all about me. Every law, every story, every maxim, it was about me see Jesus was laying it out for them and he's laying it out for us as well it's not just useless to believe the Bible is true and then miss the fact that it's about Jesus and what he's done for your salvation it's devastating because if you don't believe the Bible if you don't believe that this is the case that everything that the Bible is about is about Jesus what ends up happening or you miss that fact maybe you just You didn't intend to do that, you just miss it. But what ends up happening is you get caught up in these rules and traditions and you begin to measure yourself on how good you can be. And you begin to let the pressure of Scripture be crushing because you think, I can't do what this says. I can't measure up to these words. I can never earn God's love for me. And that is devastating and depressing. See, when Jesus says it's all about Him, He's saying, I'm the only person who can live life the way it should be. I deserve a crown of glory, I deserve honor and worship, I deserve beauty, never ending praise. Here's what the gospel teaches us, right? Jesus also says, I did it. I earned God's blessing. And yet I went to the cross and I took God's curse. And that means that when you believe in me, Jesus is saying, when you rest in me by faith as your Lord and Savior, all that I deserve comes on you. And all that you deserve comes on me. Should you try to believe what the Bible says and be, do what the Bible says? Yes, you should do that. But you have to know that all of the Bible talks about Jesus. Now, these guys on the road, they didn't see it. They hadn't picked it up yet. And so when they get to their destination, Jesus sits down with them and he breaks bread with these guys. And in that moment, they see, hey, this is Jesus. Like, how did we not know that? And so then he leaves them, like, instantaneously, like always, just like Jesus, right? Like, I'm gone, right? Imagine how these guys were left feeling. They recognize him, and they look at each other, and they say, this is what it says they say in verse 32 of chapter 24. He says, were not our hearts burning within us while while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? I mean, after he disappears, they basically say, listen, our hearts knew it was him before our heads did. The longing of their hearts knew they were in the presence of their fulfillment even when their heads hadn't figured it out yet. I'm going to tell you, arguments and explanations about the Bible, they're necessary, but they're not sufficient. Your mind needs to be convinced that's true, that's why sometimes we don't read the Bible, because we need convincing. You need to be convinced the Bible is truth, but that doesn't get the job done. The goal of the Bible is not just to get you to believe the right things, but it's actually to reframe how you view your life. See, the gospel says that you're saved by sheer grace. There's nothing that you can do to earn that. Jesus did it freely. And if you believe what Jesus did for you, if you truly believe that, then it completely reframes how you look at yourself. Because just think about it. It makes you stop looking at yourself and thinking, how am I doing? How am I measuring up? Instead, what it ends up doing is it changes your identity. It gets you a new desire to live as you ought. You are saying to yourself, I want to be like the one who did this for me. Only the truth about Jesus brings light into our lives. We receive from him what is right and good, his love, our identity, forgiveness. You can trust God's word to guide your life. Listen, if you've never found faith, like if you've run from religion because it's crushing and it's difficult, If you've struggled with finding the truth, and I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to break bread with other people. That's the truth. Get in relationship with people. Join other people in worship like you are this morning. Join a life group. We've still got ample opportunity for you this week to get connected into a group. Come to the prayer night tonight, 6 o'clock here at Ross. Come. Come. To that you might just find that people's lives have been changed by Jesus, and I'm gonna tell you begin to regularly read God's word. Choose to, and then this week, I'm just saying, choose to be obedient to something that you read, something you read in scripture. Choose to be obedient to that. Listen, if you're watching online right now, I'm gonna challenge you as soon as this is over, pick up your Bible and read it. Read the Bible 20 minutes to spend time reading God's Word and take some time to do what it says. See, we got to choose to put our belief in the true claims of the Bible that are reliable and reasonable and supported by historical evidence. Faith is a choice. We got to choose to do that. And if we choose it, we got to pay close attention to what is written and we got to work to align our lives and our faith and decisions more closely to it every day. And we got to choose to believe that all that was written is a truth and that it's all about Jesus. And that shapes our minds and our hearts. And it brings us full life, brings us grace, it gives us purpose. Let me pray for us. Your Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful to be in your house today, Lord, and worshiping you and praying. And being in, in, in your presence, we are so thankful for this Bible, this word that you have given us that has lasted for generations and we have put our faith and hope in. We are hearing directly from you, Lord Jesus. And today, Lord, I just pray that if there are people here who are struggling, either here or online, that are watching and they're struggling with believing your word, Lord, I would just pray that whatever is standing in their way be moved, but more importantly, Lord, that I would pray that they understand that everything they read in this word is about you, Jesus. And they would begin to understand that because of that, they are a new person and that they can have a new identity as your son, or daughter. Thank you for the sacrifice you made. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.